Are you struggling to get your project off the ground? Is the term research a dirty word? Need help finding more resources? Hello, and welcome to the Center for Nursing Inquiry podcast. I'm Nadine Rosenblum, Nursing Inquiry Coordinator. With me today is Maddie Whalen, our Evidence-Based Practice Coordinator. Hi, Maddie. Hi. Um, I asked Maddie to join me today to talk um, some more about the appendices in the Johns Hopkins Evidence-Based Practice for Nurses and Healthcare Professionals Model and Guidelines, 4th edition, because um, there are some updates to the new edition tools, and we wanted to chat about those. So um, this time we're talking about Appendix H Synthesis and Recommendations Tool. So if I'm correct, this is part of the evidence part of the PET process. Exactly. Right. And this looks like a tool that puts together a lot of things that have already been done into one place. Tell me more about this tool, Maddie. Yeah. So this tool is actually really what the whole EBP process is been leading up to. Is this um, after looking at all the literature, having your question, um, appraising everything, this is really where we're going to get those um, one or two specific recommendations from the literature so that we can then start to think about translating to our setting. So really the whole EVP process has been building to this point. This is sort of like the big reveal. What does the information tell us? That's great. So I can see here that what we've got in this um, tool is, of course, at the top, the EVP question. So we can write that in there and then several columns and rows. So please explain about the columns and the rows and where to start. So this is where we are, again, trying to distill down information that we've been gathering. So if we remember in the previous step, we had our individual evidence summary tool, Appendix G, which is where we put all the pertinent information from each article we read. And then for this step, we're going to sort that information into levels, and we're going to look at each level independently. And so for starting um, at the very top, we have our level one. So we're going to record the, um, the quality of the evidence. So do we have strong evidence, good evidence, or low quality evidence, as well as the number of articles that fall into each category. And it's up to the team if you would like to write, maybe you had um, two level, um, level one quality A articles and two quality B articles. And so you can write that you had um, A slash B quality, or you could write two A, two B. It's sort of up to you if you want to do record the average or if you want to include um, what each article specifically was and the number that fell into that category. Remember, however, that you will never be writing low on here because you're going to leave out your low quality articles. Okay, and then you've got um, the synthesized findings with article numbers um, column on the very end. How do we know what really to put into that? So this is one of, I think, the hardest parts of the EVP process. Um, I would say one of the, in the beginning, the hardest part is really defining your, your problem and your question. And in this part, this is where you're having to use not only critical thinking, but clinical reasoning to create a bigger message from each of the individual data points from each article. And so you're going to, um, again, if we're just looking at our level one, for example, to start off with, I'm going to look at all of the findings that answer the EVP question. I'm going to look at the limitations. And look at all the information that we had in our Appendix G, and I'm going to say, well, these are my individual pieces of information, my data points from each article. 
but what is the overall message? What is this really trying to tell me? And so you'll, it's a pretty good indication that you've done an adequate synthesis if you have fewer statements in this box than you have statements on your individual evidence summary tool. Um, again, you are trying to take all of those and distill them into a message versus just copying and pasting. That's not synthesis. That is a repeat of the summary. So you have to really do that higher level thinking um, to glean messages and record them here. This is where that article number also comes in handy um, because you're going to, after you write your statement, you're going to, in parentheses, put which article supports that statement. And again, a good indication that you're synthesizing versus summarizing is that you have multiple numbers associated with each statement because that means that you use multiple pieces of evidence to create that overall message. Okay, I'm going to ask you about something that you said a little bit later, but for right now, I'm going to continue with the view that we have right here, this page one of the synthesis and recommendations tool here. Is there anything else here on this first page that you want to address specifically? So just to remind everybody that you're going to be doing this by level. So in this, in my example, we were just talking about level one. So once that's all complete, then we're going to only look at our level twos. It also just makes it a little bit more digestible. If you have um, 20 articles that answer your question, if you're only looking at certain subsections of them that fall into each level, it just makes it a little bit easier to be able to synthesize that information. It's just fewer pieces of information to have to process. So you're going to go through each one. There is a good chance that you might have zero for one of your levels. Um, and a lot of times what I see with nursing literature is that um, a lot of the level three tends to be a pretty big bucket and the level five tends to be a pretty big bucket. But just keep in mind that you're only looking at each level and putting that in the corresponding box, and then you're going to take an even another um, farther step back and look what that information is telling you after you've been able to categorize it and um, provide the messaging by level. Okay, and that sounds like you're leading us to the next page where once we're finished with the table, now we're into answering some questions. So this first question, um, does the evidence show consist where does the evidence show consistency? How do we how do we answer this question? So in this part you're really going to be looking um, again, now we've stepped even kind of bigger picture further away from our appendix G, which is our summary, and now we're looking at our synthesis and looking at these synthesis statements on the first page. Is there something that really seems to be a common thread throughout all of the levels of evidence? So for example, maybe it really, really supports for falls, non-slip socks. You see it on every level of evidence, every article supports it, and so that might be something that you want to record as something that's consistent. However, within levels, both inter and intra-level evidence um, can have inconsistency. So maybe, um, again, if we're looking at falls, maybe bed alarms are kind of iffy in terms of whether they work or not. Maybe um, the level three evidence is inconclusive, maybe the level one evidence says they don't work, and the level five says that they do work. So again, you're trying to see, is there some, is there some messaging that's common throughout all the levels? And, and additionally, are there things that aren't well supported consistently throughout? And those are things that would be a little bit harder to then make as a recommendation because there's not consistent information to support it. Okay. And so you have an opportunity to, to show both consistency and inconsistency with these first two areas here. Yeah, and this is something that you're sort of doing um, without thinking about it necessarily, but for the tools, we really wanted to make the process as explicit as possible. 
And so you might sort of intuitively be thinking, well, huh, like this really seems to be supported um, only in this one level and then nothing else seems to support it. You should probably having that sort of thought process as you go throughout your project. But to walk teams, especially newer teams through the process, we wanted to make each of the sort of implicit thought processes that we're having explicit and recording them to make it really clear about what you need to do. I think that's really helpful, not only just so, you know, because some people are out loud thinkers, some people are not out loud thinkers, and you need to be able to get everybody's information, you know, all in one place for everybody to see. It also helps with the learning process. For sure. I think it's, I really like having some concrete steps to follow, especially when I'm newer to something. I want it to be very clear cut and not have any sort of ambiguity about what to do next. Right. Okay, good. And so this this next box, best evidence recommendations, taking into consideration quantity, consistency, and strength of the evidence. How do you determine best evidence and characterize it? So this is, again, like I was saying before, kind of the point that we're all leading up to. And so looking at your synthesis statements on the first page, as well as thinking about the areas of consistency and inconsistency, this is where you're recording what does the evidence tell us? What should we do? And the really important thing to remember about this is that we are still in the E phase of the PET process, meaning that whatever we write here is completely devoid of our clinical setting. And so the best evidence recommendation might be that we have one-to-one -one nursing ratios regardless of setting, regardless of patient. And that's just what the evidence says. It's consistent. It's compelling. And so we'll write that here. We might know in the back of our minds, well, that's not really going to fly um, on our unit, our department, or in our hospital, but we're not, we're not there yet. We're going to address that later in the translation phase. So it's important to remember here that what you're writing is based solely on what the literature is telling us about what is best practice. And that's important for several reasons. Um, one of them is that, uh, again, being really explicit about the process, circumstances might change. And so best evidence recommendations might say you should do something. And when you get to the translation phase, you might realize, well, that's not really feasible at the time, but you have it recorded so that maybe in five years, maybe the situation is very different and you want to revisit, is there any new evidence? And if not, this is still the best evidence recommendation, but our situation has changed. And so we want to be able to implement. It's also really helpful for other people. So you might have another unit in your hospital, maybe another hospital in your, in your affiliate, or maybe you're reading an article that someone's published. And if you aren't explicit about what the best evidence recommendations are and just sort of get to the translation phase, then you don't have that recorded. So another group can't say, well, based on the evidence, this is what we should do. So we're going to translate to our setting, which is different than your setting. So this is, again, a really important place to be able to record that. So you sort of have it for posterity for either the evolution of your project or maybe people adapting your project in different settings. Okay. So really important box there. For sure. <laughs> okay. Um, and so this last section here, um, offers the user a choice. It says, based on your synthesis, select the statement that best describes the overall characteristics of the body of evidence. So tell me about these choices, Maddie. So this section is really to sort of help lead us into the final part of the process of the translation phase. And so we're going to um, look at the, are we considering the evidence strong and compelling and consistent? Which usually means level A, high quality evidence um, in um, sorry, high-quality evidence in level um, one or two. Um, do we have good evidence and consistent results? So maybe um, the evidence, the levels are a little bit lower, but we still have good good quality and it's consistent. Um, 
and then we could move further down into good but conflicting or little to no. And each of those statements tells you what you should do next. And so um, either way, we're going to be moving on to our next tool, the Appendix I. However, this just sort of bridges you into what you need to be thinking about. And if you're not quite sure what these statements mean, like strong and compelling, good and consistent, again, just like all the other tools, this one does have instructions. And so if you scroll down to the second page of the instructions, it gets a little bit more granular in terms of what those things really mean and how you would be able to consider something high quality um, or good quality. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, so what is the meaning of this, really? What what does this mean going forward from here? So this is, you're actually going to transpose whatever you select here onto your next tool, your Appendix I, because it's going to let you know whether or not, what you need to consider to be able to move into the translation phase, and if you should, in fact, make a process change, or if there's some intermediary steps that need to happen. Okay, good to know. Is there anything else that we need to know about this particular tool? I would say that the one thing that I try and remind people of, and again, we kind of talked about this when we were talking about developing our question, is this is one of the steps that I think takes the most amount of time because you really need to be able to digest the information and be able to create greater meaning from disparate pieces of information. And that does take a lot of thinking. It takes a lot of reflection. It's not necessarily something that you're going to do by yourself in one go. This is really a team effort. So the team can, again, take in all of the information and use their clinical experience as well as discussion to come to a common understanding about what the information is telling us. So it's um, one of those kind of like thinker um, components. Maybe like you're going to look at it and then you're going to sleep on it and come back to it later or you're going to let everyone sort of mull on it on their own and then come together and share their opinions. So, again, this is where the team really comes in handy for processing information and determining greater meaning. Okay. That's that's very excellent. So we've got two more tools to go. We're almost <laughs> <And then>. there. <laughs> so we've done a lot of work so far. And so the synthesis and recommendation tool kind of wraps up the evidence part of the PET process for us. Um, anything you want to have us keep in mind before we move on? Just remember that you can always reach out to us in the Center for Nursing Inquiry. We are here to help you with any part of your EVP process, big or small, um, and we are always happy to help. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Maddie. And I want to remind everyone that you can also find us on the intranet, the hopkinsmedicine.org slash nursing slash center nursing inquiry, or just Google us, uh, Hopkins Center for Nursing Inquiry. And on our webpage, um, are all of these tools, both in Word and PDF format. When you are on the home page, you select that menu and choose the inquiry toolkit to find all of those tools. And you could also email us at nursinginquiry at jhmi.edu. Thanks, Edie. Thank you, Maddie. Talk to you next time.